Hey y'all, welcome back to my show. It's your girl Chandelay, aka Chandelay the Esthetician, and you are listening to Skin is in Studios. Guys, I am so excited for you to meet my guest today. Um, I feel like it's always it's always remarkable seeing people do something that you love and doing it well. And today this guest is no different. I'd love to welcome to the show Hadia. Hi, Hadia. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on and, you know, just creating time in your day to share your knowledge. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, on this show, really the biggest goal is to be a resource and, um, you know, another stepping stone that someone can use as they're going through their journey with aesthetics. And I would love, if you don't mind, sharing a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you became interested in this industry. So my name is Hadia Dashe. I am an esthetician based in the Bay Area in Oakland. Uh, My shop is called Glodega. It's located in Oakland, California. Um, Occasionally, I'd also work uh, with a fellow esthetician in Pasadena with um, her name is Sabrina Robinson and her space is called 30 Skin down in Pasadena. Um, So I'm usually there like once a month. Um, But primarily for the most part, you can find me in Oakland. Um, (laughs) I have been a licensed esthetician for... Uh, hmm. I think this year is going to be my sixth year, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. Congrats. Um, thank you. And my business, um, I've had my solo practice. Well, it's not solo anymore. I have an employee now, but um, I've had my business since uh, December of 2018. So I think six years license and maybe f- going into my fifth year of business. So um still kind of a newbie to aesthetics. (laughs) I didn't necessarily work um, in consumer facing beauty prior to really, I had um, a career in marketing. um, And I I live in, I'm from Silicon Valley. I live in Silicon Valley. Um, I went away to college, came back home. And so I was working in tech. I did always work in consumer facing tech. Um, okay. So worked with a lot of apps and brands that you might be familiar with, like uh, Eat24, which got acquired by Yelp. Uh, during wow. Um, Grammarly, which is something that everybody uses yeah. you know, pretty much. <laughs> um, so I was always doing uh, or working with apps like that. Um, I had a contract gig working with Ipsy. And it was just doing like some marketing slash customer service stuff for them in uh, in the beginning. They maybe were like maybe a year or two old when wow. doing contract work with them. Um, but in doing some marketing insights and research, I kind of like had just discovered uh, the world of beauty on YouTube. Like I was someone who knew what YouTube was, but like, I didn't have a YouTube account um, unless I wanted to see like a music video. Like I was never really on YouTube, Um, but I had a lot of insight into what those beauty influencers, even though that wasn't the the term for them at the time, but seeing like their, how they could command the audience, Mm -hmm. 
Um, seeing, I also had insight into the revenue that they could make, like, especially through Ipsy partnerships. And immediately I was just like, I don't even have like no degree or nothing. Like, this is it. Like, that literally was like my only thought. Um, and so I love that. I was like, um, that's it. Like I'm starting a YouTube channel. And that was like in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. And I didn't start a YouTube channel until 2020 in the pandemic when I was sitting at home and couldn't work because <laughs> California mm-hmm. was shut down. Um, and even now, I don't even update it. Um, creating a YouTube turns out a ton of work. Um, that <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was like my first peek into or that 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 contract gig probably is what first piqued my interest in beauty. Um, but I didn't actually pursue anything beauty related until 2016 which is when I enrolled in aesthetic school wow my full-time job um and I went to school at night and like it took you know one full school year because I was doing it part-time at night so it was one of those things like you start in the fall you finish in the spring Uh um, and then I got licensed and the whole time I was doing that again I did not have what is now Glodega. Um, I did not have that in mind. I I never wanted to work. <laughs> I never dream of labor. What's your dream job? I don't know. I don't dream of labor. I don't want to work. <laughs> um, so I don't, I, I didn't think that I was going to actually be the one working. I just, I had a business idea, um, but I felt like having a license would give me a better understanding of the business idea that I had at the time. And um, I thought it would make me more competitive. Again, I'm in Silicon Valley. So nobody here works. Everyone is just getting money from other people. So I was like, I had a whole different like app in mind and like VC money. Like initially that's where everything was going. So um, as you can see, that's not how anything turned out. It definitely didn't, but that's so amazing. Like, wow, what an incredible look into like your beginning. Yeah. Um, so I again I was only doing this at night. It was like beyond whatever is like the least amount of part-time, like that is what you could imagine. Like I to this day, like I'm not so much a beauty girl, like mm-hmm. um, I have always been what I would describe as a Tom Bell. Like I'm very, very tomboyish. Like uh, my style icons growing up were like Aaliyah and TLC. So that mm-hmm. means, like, you know, very baggy bottoms, but like the crop top. Like I, to this day, I live for a crop top. Like I'm pushing <laughs> for it. You cannot, you cannot put a gun to my head and get me out of a crop top. Like I refuse. Girl, to me do. <laughs> My son um, is like, and that's enough. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I wasn't uh, even really wearing makeup like that until maybe 2017. Um, so it was just a very like super like random passion for all my friends who knew me when they figured out or when I would tell them I was in esthetician school, they would be like, you. Like, it was just, like, the most (laughs) random thing to everyone who knew me at the time. Um, And then I graduated, got licensed, and still kept my full-time job. Like, I just, I don't know, I just never 
thought about jumping into it full-time and then December came and uh that had been wait when did you graduate so I graduated in May of 2017 California um I don't know how it works in other states but in California licensing is very very complicated so there's only two places you can go in the state to take your licensing exam in California is the largest state in the United States. (laughs) So I had to drive like two and a half hours, two hours away, I think, um, to Fairfield, California, which is like the only place in Northern California you could go. And um, when I graduated, there was like a significant delay because there's only two places you can go. So it's like when you graduate, it's not like you get an appointment to test like that same month or even the next month. Um, Oh my gosh. And, and on top of that, I think my application was lost. So like people I graduated with, they, they were able to take their exam starting in July and I did not get my exam date until two days before my birthday. So I didn't end up (laughs) getting to take my exam until it was September 11th. Uh, what was that? 2017. Yeah. So, um, I took, so I, I, took the exam and I also had started applying for part-time jobs, esthetician mm-hmm. jobs. And I remember the first two jobs I applied for, I got, and actually I should pause and say every esthetician job I've ever applied for, I've gotten mm-hmm. every single one, um, which is the complete opposite of my previous professional career. And like, there have been some time <laughs> like you go <laughs> in for interview rounds like that has never been the case with me as an esthetician wow um, so the first two jobs I applied for I remember I got them but the uh, the interview process and everything was before I actually got my license date so I was applying for these jobs I got these jobs but they were all contingent upon me actually getting the fucking license which right. <laughs> I didn't technically have they're dragging their feet with like this is cool. <laughs> so um so I, I take the test, I pass, I get the license. And the first two jobs I had were at this place called Amazing Lash Studio. Mm-hmm. Really, for whatever reason, in the beginning, I really thought that I wanted to do lashes. I thought, <laughs> I'm not going to be like all these other estheticians, like doing facials and shit. Like that is not. That's not me. <laughs> that is not it. That is not me. I'm just going to do lashes because it's low key. I could just do like a couple lashes a day, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I had no clue okay so the first <laughs> the first two jobs were amazing lash studio and european wax center which i refer to as european wax center because i hated that job but Wait, really <laughs> yes so oh my and they were right next to each other and an amazing lash studio is basically like european wax center but just for lashes um oh snap i didn't even know that was a thing so okay you hated lashes you know i'm gonna tell you i have so much respect for people who do lashes because my back could not my back couldn't handle it i so i never even finished training at that place i like went through like four days of training and then i just never went back i was like like, we will not be doing lashes we can't do this um (laughs) And then at European, I ended up working there for a month, but I just really didn't like their technique. So European trains for time and speed, mm-hmm. but that does not take into account client comfort. Right. Um, and so that's why they're so 
much high attrition right there because mm-hmm. that's attrition you're like forced to speed through a process but and maybe you can do it but like the client is like, God damn, bitch, it's my coochie on. So I like personally, it just didn't vibe with me and I could mm-hmm. not work there. Also, like they paid the minimum of minimum wage. And so basically, if you wanted to have a living as an esthetician, you needed to survive off tips. Now, I will say, I understand I'm coming into this industry from a privileged place place like I already had a six-figure paying job Mm -hmm. I I didn't need to become an esthetician and I certainly didn't need any money that I made as an esthetician this was like an added bonus for me it was like gas money and like (laughs) like Mm -hmm. money for me like it wasn't really like I had that money yeah Mm -hmm. but for most women entering this field they actually do depend on this money girl yeah we do shit (laughs) that was not that just wasn't ideal it was like one your techniques are kind of shitty and y'all not really paying like I could just go somewhere else and like you couldn't and it's also crazy when you think about the return on investment that they're making at clients like that like it okay if you want to if you want me to if you want me to turn clients like that you could at least pay me accordingly yeah, like the the ten to fifteen minute Brazilian is like crazy. Even though, like, I realize now, five years later, it really does take me like ten or fifteen minutes. But right. that extra ten minutes is like calming your it's client. That, yes. like, it's so they don't even know. notice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on top of that, like, you can't even establish a real rapport because mm-hmm. they're so uncomfortable. It's like not likely that they will be coming back (laughs) yeah so I I couldn't do that um so that was like my first month as an esthetician being licensed and I thought like okay well you just picked up a random ass hobby which (laughs) and I was like you'll never do anything like this again and then I applied I saw another job I applied for at Equinox the gym so every Equinox has a spot inside of it most people do not realize that and I worked as an esthetician at Equinox for like 10 months um I my advice to every new esthetician starting out is Mm -hmm. to go to a job at Equinox because they do pay very well you get a free gym membership which we know Equinox is very expensive Mm -hmm. um and also you get um, full benefits. So wow. and things could have changed uh, while I'm saying this. This was 2017 when I worked there after all. But when I was working there, like I could literally work there two days a week, have full benefits. That's amazing. Yeah. That's and like heard of a lot of people don't utilize the spa. So <laughs> you wouldn't really have clients, but you're not like penalized for not having clients. You make a lot more mm-hmm. money if you do have clients, but, um, if you like wanted a place to work, but not really work, (laughs) that would be the place. Like a good place to ease yourself into it. Because like, girl, I remember my first job, they didn't have any esthetician to show me anything. It was literally like me. And they were like, it's your show. You do what you want. I hadn't done full leg waxing Brazilians. Like I hadn't done all that really. So uh I was like drowning in the deep end <laughs> yeah and, that's, and honestly most people going to the spot equinox are getting massages so 
you that's a good way. Still would be drowning there because there wouldn't be a lot of estheticians to help lead you or give you oversight, but it's something. And mm-hmm. so I just did that. So once I got that gig, I it, it was really close to my job too. So I would just go there after I got off work and work there for a couple hours. And I was like, so once I got there, I was so eager to get clients. And I was just like, always trying to mingle and get clients and just like really practice the craft. But like, those people didn't care. They were there to work out. (laughs) (laughs) And I was trying to like, always bring people in. But it was just, it was like, okay, this isn't working. And it was also in um, Palo Alto, which is very close to my house, but there are not, Palo Alto is like, when you, outside of Stanford University, Palo Alto is like a very old city, kind Mm -hmm. of, like, um, there aren't like a lot of, or at least at that time, there weren't really a lot of young professionals, like looking to take care of their skin in the area. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there may have been people who wanted like waxes and stuff, but there's a lot of people who like only work in Palo Alto, but live elsewhere, or maybe they live in Palo Alto or work elsewhere. And so they were, they were going to places. It wasn't a good location for what you were trying to do. It it didn't, the location didn't fit the vision for sure. So, um, I noticed like a lot of people were going to San Francisco to get services done. And I thought, oh, maybe I should work in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And ended up getting a gig at a waxing only place which was great because I actually did love waxing I just didn't like doing it at European wax center <laughs> so <laughs> well, that's I, good so and even yeah. after working there you still felt like you did love waxing I I knew that I loved waxing I just did not like their method yeah yeah I knew that I but that's something that I knew Um, before there before you even worked there you already knew that so like that was just like okay you tried that experience and you were like I'm good on that yeah did you have any issues transitioning like leaving one job and then starting a new job like you know with referrals and stuff I know sometimes people worry about that no because the only reason I think I didn't encounter that is because I was always working in vastly different locations okay so like Redwood City to Palo Alto is not far, but the type of people going to Redwood City for services wouldn't even look at doing those services in Palo Alto. That would just be like a completely different clientele. Um, And then like from there, I jumped to San Francisco. (laughs) I worked in San Francisco in the marina, which is like a really kind of ritzy, like the typical or stereotypical like valley girl persona applies to a lot of people in marina. There's like this um, it's affluent. It's affluent, but it's also like um, hipster. Oh, nice. In a way. Um, but like okay. the Silicon Valley hipster, which is a very different type of hipster. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was there for like maybe another 10 months there. Okay. And that was cool. I got a, that is where I first got certified in sugaring as well. So I was able to like not only wax, but then sugar. And I just thought, oh, this is the best ever. Like maybe I just want to do waxing. Yeah. Um, I had a friend that I actually went to high school with. Um, she has her own, she still does have her own place as well. But she just did like waxing. And I was like, oh, maybe I just want to do that. Maybe I just want to mm-hmm. focus on waxing. 
But when I was funny enough, even though the whole time during school and even after graduating, I kind of thought I hated doing facials, but like after (laughs) six months of just waxing and mainly just doing Brazilians, um, I was just like, maybe we don't mind. You miss a face. (laughs) (laughs) I miss a facial. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't so bad. Um, I, I did that for, um, I, I worked at that place was called Bear. I worked there for like eleven months, like almost a year. And um, mm. then I was just like, no, maybe I should just do my own thing. And instead of starting my own thing in San Francisco or Redwood City or Palo Alto, <laughs> any of those places <laughs> where I had previously worked, which honestly, all of those may have been better on me commute wise, um, I just decided to rent a studio and open up my own thing in Fremont, um, California is now the East Bay. The Bay Area is a very big place. So Um, all those other places I worked were always off the 101, which I know is like a stereotype of Californians. We always have to tell you which freeway things are off of. But but anyone who lives in the Bay knows, like I was basically staying on one side and then I decided to cross the Bay to come to the East Bay. And I had this little spot in Fremont. I just thought I was doing so great for myself. And just, I found this little spot. It was like a broom closet, essentially. It was a, um, it was the Salon Suites by JC or something like that. Oh, yeah, okay. Salons by JC. That's, I think that's the name of it. But, you know, you get a little suite in there and you think you didn't made it. You have no idea. Overpaying way too much in rent. But, you know, I didn't know that at the time. Um, And it was like 110 square feet, which is like nothing. And I think I paid $1,600 a month for that. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I thought I was doing good. And so. Um, well, I you guess have I'm, been doing good to pay it, girl. So. Well, I had. I still have my full-time job. So I well, was, you yeah. know, I had mm-hmm. the disposable income to pay for this hobby, which it essentially was at this time. And, yeah. um, yeah, when my business started out, it started out as Fairy Glow Mother. That's why that's my name on social media um and I just started that and I would do facials and waxing and I just thought I was going to do all the things and I did and it was great and my business was really able to grow from there um and then eventually I moved it to Oakland so my my business since having a business it's moved three times so it was in Fremont from 2018 until dun 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 2020 (laughs) so (laughs) In January of 2020, I'd made the decision to move into a bigger space because I also knew I was going to finally quit my full-time job. And I was just like, okay, like I'm going to leave. I had given notice to my job. So my last day working was going to be like February 27th or whatever, whatever that last Friday in February was of 2020. (laughs) And, And, um, I had found another location in Oakland. It was like the perfect location. My hours would be different. So I actually would have a reverse commute and I wouldn't have to be in traffic so much. And it would only take me like 30 minutes, which that's not bad (laughs) for a Bay Area commute. And it was in this really cool artsy building. And I just was like so in love. Yeah. Um, And then of course, March 13th, 2020 comes and the whole state shuts down. And then personal services they shut down for a year so that was a really tough transition 
And that was a really, really tough transition. Grants and things to help didn't come in until like the end of that year. Um, so I just had to do a lot of hustling with like e-commerce and um, creating ebooks and creating all kinds of digital assets to sell to make up income. And mm-hmm. um, in my previous career, I scaled e-commerce businesses. The last job I worked was actually an agency gig. And I had a bunch of different clients in which we were scaling e-commerce and um, other more B2B partners. And one thing that's important to note is I actually fucking hated doing that shit. I was burned. I had already at that point, I had spent like seven years of my life doing those things. And I just kind of was tired of doing it. Mm -hmm. So then to have to be forced to do it for myself, Mm -hmm. (laughs) literally like my own livelihood depended on it. It was a lot. And I I was telling one of my clients yesterday, I'm still recovering from 2020. (laughs) I know, girl. I'm still trying to get it back in my head. Like, okay, let's go back to work. Let's do this. Like, it's it's a lot. Yeah. And and so I didn't. Yeah, I'm still trying to bring it back. Like, in the beginning, everyone always complimented my marketing. Everyone loved my marketing, my marketing, my marketing, my marketing. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) I was like, you like, I, you have no choice but to compliment. Like, if I've been doing this for like <laughs> ten years of my life, uh, then yeah. <laughs> then it should be good enough to be complimented, right? Uh, but now, like, I just was thinking about this the other day. Like, no one's mentioned my marketing in such a long time. <laughs> it's because but does that feel refreshing to you, or does that feel like you need to get back on it? I mean, like, what I know, I have to get back on it. Like, I just talked shit about European and how they constantly have to bring in new clients. But in this industry, you constantly your your money makers and all your new clients. Yes, your returning clients are not like bringing you in as much revenue as a new client does so um that's a hard pill to swallow because I'm so I'm still burnt out I'm not I haven't (laughs) I haven't gotten over my burnout yet Mm -hmm. so it's really hard for me to get back into that mode um but that is essential to doing business that's honestly probably the best advice I've ever heard shared on this show. Um, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I, I would never bullshit you, girl. I, no, it's true. Like the new yes. clients are your money maker. Like my returning clients, I have, like my member, my business is membership based. Um, and I have like, I think I have the capacity to hold like maybe 250 members on mm-hmm like per month between me and one employee and I'm scared to like even get that far because right that's like limiting the amount of new people I can see like even me personally right now in my business I personally see between like 85 to 100 clients per month and my month-to-month schedule is always I'm always about 82% pre-booked which only leaves a very small percentage of new clients for me Mm -hmm. to see um and so even that is just like it's good like booked yes like that's good but long-term revenue wise it's not and I'm I'm only just realizing this in 2023 because I had a two-year stretch of my business essentially where no business was happening. And so I 
I didn't really know what to do. Like, unfortunately, the pandemic hit for me in a time where my business was growing. Yeah. So if I look at my numbers from 2019, I went from just having like four figure months, (laughs) like the end of 2019, October, November, December. That was my first time ever having five figure months. And then Mm. I only had the opportunity to have that like twice, essentially in 2020 before everything shut down. And then I finally was able to reopen towards the mid of 2021. I essentially had to start all over. So I don't know, like (laughs) I didn't have a good way to forecast um, returning clients versus new clients and seeing how that impacted revenue. Yeah. So um, now that I do have those learnings, I'm able to tell people who reach out to me for advice and are starting out and they're just like, oh, like, I just can't get this client to come back. I just can't get this client to come back. My solid advice is that really you only want a new client to return to you for the two consecutive months after their first appointment. After that, you want to focus on just getting more new clients because if you're really good at your craft you're good if if skin is your thing it's going to be completely different if you're more focused on waxing because you're going to you're going to need those monthly returning clients because of you know the hair growth schedule um but if skin rejuvenation if acne hyperpigmentation correction anything like that is your focus when you're really good at what you do your client is probably like 70% clear within three months. And after that three month mark, you're probably ready to do something more advanced that doesn't necessarily require them to come every four weeks. Maybe they're coming six weeks, maybe they're coming two months, but they're still coming back. Um, It's just not going to be as frequent as it was in the beginning. And that is very true for me. Like most of my clients, even a new client And they'll just be like, oh, you know, I saw you on social media or I saw you here and um, or my friend comes to you and they've been coming to you for years. And that's all great. I'm so appreciative of that. I feel very blessed to have that. But I'm still very honest with them. And I tell them like, "Okay, like you'll probably be back here for the next two months and then I won't see you again. And they'd be like <laughs> laughing at all. Like, no, like, what? No, girl, like, I'm gonna be back. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. And sure enough, that third <laughs> month will come and I will not see them again. And it won't be because they had a bad experience or anything like that. It's because their skin is clear and they don't have a need to come back. Like, I tell everyone, most of my clients, most of my members, they are coming back and they're, they decided to join a membership. Just because I'm really cool. Just because my personality. They want to yes. like their skin is clear. That's the, the biggest part. But they also just want to hang out and they also just like the vibe. But, Girl, yes, they want to be in the vibe too. Yes. But <laughs> me doing my job for the most part also has them, you know, like if they had, you know, we're about to approach a time where a lot of people across the U.S. are about to experience some financial turbulence. Um, You know, those of us who've gone to college, we have been student loan free for these past three years. And now we're actually about to start be requiring or required to pay them back starting September. So things are going to change for me. And I know that. But I have, you know, even through the pandemic, I had a wait list of people waiting to join the membership. Mm -hmm. Because they were just like, no, but 
we know when my money get back right i'm still be fucking with you like just yeah and it feels good too but you also have to prepare yourself for when those times are not there. Well, so I really love what you're hitting on because honestly, like, can I just share like some perspective? I also feel like this is a moment for me too. Sorry, y'all. I know y'all are listening, but get in on it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm new in my journey. Very new. You know that I just recently graduated. I just celebrated a year. I opened my business in December of last year. So really we're not even counting that. So this is the start of the year, right? And so this is my first season going through, um, I guess, like a series of of like a, a year season or the J months or these ups and downs, these ebbs and flows on my own. Now, I've done it working at a spa and a medi spa, but I haven't had that experience on my own. And what you're saying is literally like, <laughs> it's exactly what I was like needing to hear because it really is such an emotional journey of seeing some clients and they come in or they just heard about you and like, you can count it like two to three months. Like she's not kidding after that. Like if you're good at what you do, it's like, it's done its job at that point. (laughs) And so you're having a different conversation with your client. And that is such an interesting space for me to be in because I don't know, they don't really talk about that in school. Like they're just talking about, getting a facial if you can get a facial um then you've got a client or get a client get a client get a client but no one's really talking about what it looks like and your clients needs from you on a like reoccurring basis and that can be different and you're literally like talking about that that's why i just think it's such great advice that you're giving can you share perspective about how you move to a membership basis and why you felt like that was a good move for your business model? Yeah. Um, so I always had membership from like day one of me opening my business. Um, I, I I am a Virgo, so (laughs) I (laughs) unfortunately do a lot of research. There are a lot of Excel spreadsheets. Um, um, but I had done a lot of research on the spa business when it became apparent that I was going to open up a business. Um, Also, this is a side note, but I, you know, I had my full-time job. Both of my parents are still living. I take care of my mother. My father doesn't live that far away. And I remember um, asking my dad for money. (laughs) (laughs) And he was just like, no, but also he was just like, you need to give me a business plan. And so I I remember like making this business plan, which is how I came about all this research um, only for my dad to still not give me any money. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so everything about me is completely self-made, but I am thankful he did kind of make me do that business plan because I did do a lot of research. And so um, the turnover rate, um, the client, I'm sorry, the client retention rate in the industry is actually incredibly low. Like the average spa business client retention rate is like 20% or less or something like that, which is insane um, because you can't viably like right. sustain yourself on 20% of your potential income. Like that's just, you're always broke. Like it's, it's not going right. to work. 
so from the start, I knew, okay, I had to offer memberships and I try to get people in at memberships. Now, remember, I'm really, really good at marketing, but I'm like terrible at selling. I am not a saleswoman. <laughs> I hate it. I hate selling. Um, and so I had these memberships. Most people were not really taking advantage. Um, and But they were there. They were always there. Um, I started out again, doing a lot of Excel spreadsheets and stuff. So I actually had a spreadsheet that let me know exactly how much I could charge per month and like what the maximum amount of discounting would be that I would be able to do. Oh, cool. Um, And then in like marketing, you have what's called a customer acquisition cost. Um, And in this industry, my customer acquisition cost would be like a first time client discount or something like that. And so I kind of like had did all the math on those things. And after the pandemic and like just the way that things, I don't know if you had insight to mm-hmm. um, what pricing was before the pandemic, but pricing for a lot of like our back bar supplies, everything went up like close to 70%, which is mm-hmm. really insane. So after the pandemic, I had to redo all those numbers. And I was just like, oh, we can't do facials for less than $150. <laughs> like, literally, we cannot afford that. <laughs> right. Um, so then the membership, I changed the way it was structured. So before, I think a membership was $115 a month. And my membership price only just increased of January of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people who rejoined when I reopened, basically, they got... Um, they got the same pricing that I had from when I first opened my business in 2018. Like wow. that was a big draw of membership then. Um, but now my membership is a hundred my facial membership is $150 a month, which is still like a really affordable facial, especially Absolutely. in the Bay Area. I believe I'm still like priced low for most of the spas in my area. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes your monthly, you know, 50 minute custom facial. Um, you also get 10% off products. Oh, and, wow. Um, my membership is like six month minimum commitment. You can pause for a month. You can gift a service, you know, like there's other different added value that comes with it. But I knew, okay, if you're going to have memberships, which is still smart to do, you have mm-hmm. to lock in at these prices otherwise you're not going to make it and so all of last year um I essentially lost money Uh Um, I maybe lost about thirty thousand dollars um in having the membership still be priced at the 115 Uh um but with the 150 like that definitely makes up for things and getting people in the membership is is cool and I I also used to have it open. So before I even saw you, like you could just sign up for a membership and have a membership in your first. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I changed that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, girl, that's crazy. <laughs> no, that was not, that was not smart. Um, so now you can always apply at any time for a membership, but I will not extend a membership unless someone has come in for an appointment first. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that is... 
that's how that works now. And, you know, having people sign everything and read through everything online, that's just like super easy, very streamlined for me because mm-hmm. um, like now I do have an employee, but unfortunately my employee can't also be co-CEO. So there's still a lot of things that I have to do manually. So it just makes it easier for me as a person. But yeah, I had done the research and I knew that memberships is the better way to go. Also, and a lot of estheticians, especially new estheticians, don't like hearing this, but what we do is not needed. It is not a necessity. It is a luxury. Everything we do is a luxury service. And so that means when times get hard for people, we are going to be the first to go. And you have to be mindful of that and also have to find ways to mitigate that so that someone else's economic impact does not become your economic impact. Wow, what a great insight and perspective on it for sure. Because yeah, I mean, when you're thinking about like budget and what people can afford, I was just talking to my wife the other day, I was doing I, I was working on some things and I was doing a facial And when we were finished, I was like, you know, that was a $400 facial I just did for you. And she was like, oh, um, okay. I don't know if I can afford you. And I said, here's the reality. That is actually the nature of the beast in my industry is explaining to someone why, and, and maybe not a $400 facial, right? But explaining to someone why this would be something that you would do over something else that you have the option of paying for. I was like, so like, for example, my wife, she really loves shoes. Well, if you took out buying a pair of shoes once a month and just re, uh, reallotted those funds over here, you could get that every month. She's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, so maybe I didn't give her that experience, which is not true. She loved it, but you know, it's really important to really think about it from that perspective as well, like as a consumer, like is what you're doing um, something that is not only providing that kind of value, but are you also thinking about your consumer and your clients and the type of tough decisions that they're making financially and how you can, you know, make sure that you're involved in being thoughtful of that process? Um, because at the end of the day, you know, I know people are like, oh, it's my passion. It's what I love. This is what I love to do. And it's what I love too. But at the end of the day, I mean, like I have a hobby that I love a lot and it makes me no money. So you don't want to be in a exactly. position where you're making nothing. Yes, exactly. So, and these are hard learnings. Like I've been a business owner for five years now. And it's also, you know, I didn't, I've never had a business before this. So um, I'm just, I feel like I'm double or triple learning because I have to learn how to grow as an esthetician. I have to learn as a business owner and also like have to be the accountant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, now I have an accountant who uh, doesn't like me and I don't like him either that much, but you know, he keeps me in check. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard. Um, managing these things as a solo esthetician for sure. Wow. Well, so also you offer classes as well? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, I have, there is a, a, 
virtual option on my menu, like a business consultation call that is open for every esthetician or beauty professional. Because sometimes, you know, a lot of the knowledge that I may possess overlaps with maybe a hairstylist or you know, a makeup artist or whatever. Um, but there is no formal class and like a bunch of people keep trying to talk me into it, but I, (laughs) I would rather just work with someone one-on-one. Yeah. um, Because I think that is what happens best. Or if, if it was a class, like how do I get to do a class where I can, see how literally how everyone works like I if I did a class I would want to like the whole first day is you working like a regular day at your at your space I just want to see how you do everything I'm not going to say shit Um, that's probably not true because I'm a Virgo I'm probably say something but you're a Virgo I I will um but you know like I don't want to say anything at all I just want to like observe and take notes and the second day is me telling you everything you did wrong everything you did right and like the third day might be like, okay, how do we improve moving forward? Like, that is my ideal class setup. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like it. But that, it's hard to do that for, with multiple people. So I don't know. Until yeah. I figure that there will be no classes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah keep brainstorming it. Keep brainstorming it and, and thinking it through. But, you know, but also like a webinar space, too. I could totally see you in that space, like doing some type of, Maybe not like a class, but just, you know, like a big knowledge share, kind of like these fireside chats like this. This is, in my opinion, like a masterclass of what you just gave today, sharing your experience and then talking about the different avenues and ways that people can be successful and just, you know, growing their business. But I feel like you have so much more value to add as well. Like, I'd really love to dive deeper into the continuing education courses that you've taken to supplement you know your growth and stuff as a as a individual in the industry like what do you feel like has helped you the most um so I've done a ton of continuing education I've also been like certified in almost everything um in aesthetics that's legal in California so no laser um but like I technically am a permanent makeup artist, although I don't do it. And similar to lashes, um, it's not that I hate doing it, but it is very, very taxing on the body. And I'm getting old, child. I can't be bent over. Oh, no, like I cannot. <laughs> I was like, that's a young girl's game because I can't do it. Yes, yes. So I, um, you know, I, I've taken a lot of those different certifications, but continuing education I've done um of course the face reality training um they really really helped me a lot in my career like their initial training just was so thorough and so good and I understand the price has gone up a tiny bit but at the time you know it's like maybe a $500 investment and yeah I was just thinking about investing in it I was like yeah yes. it's really, like be a good course. really good it's really good in terms of understanding acne um, and that kind of helped me transform my business a bit because once I mastered those fundamentals, whenever someone would come in with acne, it was a lot easier to get them to come back. And also before I kind of was thinking no matter who came in the door, everybody needed to be seen every four weeks. And, you know, that's not the case with a lot of acne clients. They actually need to come in every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because they have retention hyperkeratosis, which means their skin is shedding a lot faster than someone whose cell um, cell turnover is happening like every 30, 35 days. So you kind of want to see an acne client more frequently so that you can keep their skin clear, get ahead of any breakouts, anything like that. Um, and so I really liked them. Um, I've done DMK training, which was, it was okay to me. <laughs> I always feel like DMK is kind of, it has very strong MLM vibes. Like you always have to buy in to higher levels. Yeah. I don't know. I've done PCA, which I also thought was really good for someone mm-hmm. starting out. Um, Glymed. In the beginning, they used to have really good education. Like they would put out such great written material. But then during the pandemic, I also had to discover, unfortunately, the CEO was racist. And so yeah. I, haven't, I haven't looked back. <laughs> yeah. Um, Circadia has really good training as well. Um, I haven't, and their their training is free. Like once you, mm-hmm. I guess, sign up or whatever. Like I've, I don't think I've ever had to pay for a Circadia training, but their training was really good. Um, yeah. Outside, we love Circadia. This is a Circadia Stan account. Yes. Outside <laughs> of, um, aesthetics I'm also a nutritionist and so I became a nutritionist in 2020 I started in 2021 finished in 2022 um and that was really eye-opening for me was it oh my gosh I really want to become a nutritionist I feel like it would have such a huge like like overlap there's a huge overlap and it's so important to understand like the gut skin connection and um I just feel like that took my skills like definitely to the next level because certain even the ways of which some people hyperpigmentation shows up in some people like sometimes that has literally nothing to do with the skin it is sometimes a hormonal response um and like being able to identify those hormonal responses just it helps so much because if a client comes in with what I sometimes call the natural contour where they have like the, that hyperpigmentation on the cheekbones, mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, I've had this for years. I can't get rid of it. And it's just like, okay, well, what did you eat today? Are you diabetic? Are you pre-diabetic? Like this, that is a telltale sign of someone being pre-diabetic. So that's important to know. Or if I have a client with diabetes who has acne concerns, I need to talk to them more about the diabetes rather than yeah. the acne. Because I know now that those with diabetes may present more as having acne, but it could just be um, a lack of medication they have access to, or it could just be how their body is recalibrating based on the medication they were given. So all these little things that you think do not matter and are not important have a huge impact. Also, um, we're living in a time now where people do have a lot of um, mental health disorders and yeah. so the drugs given for that have a huge impact on the skin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're not aware of that and someone's nutrition when they are also on those drugs, like you're just going to like treat it like it was regular acne and that person's not going to get clear. They're going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated. Um, so being a nutritionist, I think, has definitely stepped the game up. I never talk about being a nutritionist. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have one post on my Instagram. That yeah. Is, yeah, by the way, guys, I'm also a nutritionist. Um, 
because it's also hard because I don't want anyone to start talking to me about disordered eating um, mm-hmm. or, or like me mentioning something and then they randomly develop a d- disordered eating habit. So um, it's been a very fine line to tote, but it is extremely helpful information as an esthetician. So to have. Yeah. Wow, girl, you just you're going to have to come back on the show. Yeah, of course. Okay, good. Because (laughs) you just have so much knowledge. Like, I really would like to plan something where we do a series with you um, because I just feel like you could help so many people who are just growing in their journey, who have, like, a lot of uncertainty. I know your inbox probably is so full of people just messaging how much you help them because, like, you just give a lot of information, girl. You gave all of that tea for nothing just now. Like Yes, that's my toxic trait. I love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a good quality, you know, and it's so funny you said you're a Virgo. I literally I've just interviewed this you would be my third Virgo in a row. I just like Virgo energy. I don't know most what it is. Es- most estheticians are also Virgos. That's what every. <laughs> oh, that's what all the Virgos say too. <laughs> and it's no, so I'm funny because and it's like no. Yes, it's so funny because I'm not a. I'm not like a zodiac girly, but I will never mm-hmm. forget. Like one day, this new client came in. She like walked into the space. She was only in there for like five seconds. She was like, "Are you a Virgo?" And I said, "Oh my god, how did you know?" <laughs> She was like, this face just looks very Virgo. You give Virgo, I was like, oh my God, that's kind of embarrassing. No, it's actually (laughs) such a huge compliment. Virgos are just boss energy. Um, This episode's actually going to air with the, I don't know if you met her um, in Philly, but her name is Crystal. She um, owns Fizz Facial Bar. Uh, I don't know them. Oh, I'll send you their information. Okay. I will. Uh, she's a Virgo too, but she's just mentioning some, some stuff about like Virgo energy and just, she literally is hilarious, but she was just like, yeah, um, most estheticians are Virgos. And I just thought, wow, how funny that I'm now talking to you. And I'm like, Hadia's a Virgo too. Wow. That's yeah. just boss Virgo. energy. Virgo supremacy. But no, I, I <laughs> did read once that Virgo's tend to be drawn to aesthetics um, because we are very detail oriented. Yep. Um, but also I just learned this. Uh, I'm about to recite it to you. I'm not an expert. I, someone just told me this shit like three weeks ago, but my, apparently my first house is in Venus, which means that I pay particular attention to like aesthetic things. And like, I'm naturally drawn to beauty, which again, I grew up as a Tom Bell and I just started wearing makeup in like 2016. So <laughs> I don't know how much <laughs> that is true, but apparently that's why I'm good at aesthetics. So I'm just, telling you the uh, ultimate hack is working somewhere. That way it's just easier on the taxes. I'm, yes. Yes. <laughs> like people do not know, but I'm like, girl, I will work one day here. Like taxes. I'm literally about to like, just look into that. Like just want somewhere where I work one day, literally. So I don't have to pay for insurance. That Girl, is. yes. <laughs> well, I hope so. Backwards, but that is, I'm not even joking, you guys. If anyone out there is listening, like, why would you do that? Be, once you once you start your business, you're going to you see, will see. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you will see. So how can they connect with you on social media? What's your Instagram handles and TikTok and all the handles? 
Okay, so I do have social media. Um, I don't utilize it very well. I I am acknowledging that I'm officially burnt out. Um, okay. My my main handle is Fairy Glow Mother. Um, F A I R Y G L O W M O T H E R. And my business is Glowdega on everything. So that's at G L O W D E G A. Um, Glowdega is on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, probably some other social media places threads <laughs> that I'm not remembering. Um, but I don't, I don't utilize them that well. And Fairy Glow Mother is on Instagram and Twitter, which, you know, whatever. RIP Twitter. It was good while it lasted. <laughs> it was good while it lasted. But, you know, every, every once in a while, it's time for something new. So we'll see what happens with threads. But yeah. you guys, um, thanks so much to Hadia for coming on sharing her vision for Glodega and just her knowledge about the industry and just her past future and present. We appreciate her being here and just being a part of our journeys and, you know, just helping, helping us grow and what glow, right? Yes. Um, you guys can always connect with me on my Instagram. It's my name is Shandalay. That's C-H-A-N-D-A-L-I underscore and then you can also follow my youtube journey you know i'm always talking about things that work for me as an esthetician and that's chandelier the esthetician and then as always make sure you give this episode a thumbs up a rating let us know if you liked it in the comment section down below and you don't have to go anywhere i have an entire playlist so if you are on a journey i suggest you explore that and i will see you in the next one bye guys bye <laughs>